Chapter Eleven of the Imperialist by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Imagination, one gathers, is a quality dispensed with of necessity in the practice of most professions, being that of which nature is, for some reason, most niggardly. There is no such thing as passing in imagination for any department of public usefulness even the government of oriental races the list of the known qualified would be exhausted perhaps in getting the papers set yet neither poet nor philosopher enjoys it in monopoly the chemist may have it and the inventor must it has been proved the mainspring of the mathematician and i have hinted it the property of at least two of the murchisons lorne was indebted to it certainly for his constructive view of his client's situation the view which came to him and stayed with him like a chapter in a novel from the hour in which ormiston had reluctantly accounted for himself upon the night of the burglary it was a brilliant view that perceived the young clerk the victim of the conspiracy he was charged with furthering its justification lay back dimly among the intuitions about human nature which are part of the attribute i have quoted i may shortly say that it was justified another day's attendance at the elgin court house shall not be compulsory here whatever it may have been there young ormiston's commercial probity is really no special concern of ours the thing which does matter and considerably is the special quality which lorne murchison brought to the task of its vindication the quality that made new and striking appeal through every channel of the great occasion to those who heard him it was that which reinforced and comforted every friend ormiston had in the courtroom before lorne proceeded either to deal with the evidence of the other side or to produce any jot or tittle of his own and it was that which affected his distinguished opponent to the special interest which afterward showed itself so pleasantly superior to the sting of defeat the fact that the defence was quite as extraordinarily indebted to circumstantial evidence as the prosecution in no way detracted from the character of lorne's personal triumph rather indeed in the popular view and rawlins's enhanced it there was in it the primitive joy of seeing a ruffian knocked down with his own illegitimate weapons from the moment the dropped formula was proved to be an old superseded one and unexpected indication was produced that ormiston's room as well as the bank vault had been entered the night of the robbery to the more glorious excitement of establishing miss belton's connection not to be quoted with a cracksman at that moment being diligently inquired for by the new york police with reference to a dramatically bigger matter you saw the plot at once as he constructed it the pipe-ash became explicable in the seduction of miss belton's charms the cunning net unwove itself delicately and deliberately to tangle round the lady there was in it that superiority in the art of legerdemain of mere calm astonishing manipulation so applauded in regions where romance has not yet been quite trampled down by reason 
lorne scored he scored in face of probability expectation fact it was the very climax and coruscation of score he scored not only by the cards he held but by the beautiful way he played them if one may say so his nature came into this his gravity and gentleness his sympathy his young angry irony to mention just one thing there was the way he held miss belton up after the exposure of her arts as the lady for whom his client had so chivalric a regard that he had for some time refused to state his whereabouts at the hour the bank was entered in the fear of compromising her for this no doubt his client could have strangled him but it operated of course to raise the poor fellow in the estimation of everybody with the possible exception of his employers when after the unmistakable summing up the foreman returned in a quarter of an hour with the verdict of not guilty people noticed that the young man walked out of court behind his father with as drooping a head as if he had gone under sentence so much so that by common consent he was allowed to slip quietly away miss belton departed followed by the detective whose services were promptly transferred to the prosecution and by a proportion of those who scented further entertainment in her perfumed perjured wake but the majority hung back leaving their places slowly it was lorne the crowd wanted to shake hands with to say just a word of congratulation to lorne's triumph that they desired to enhance by a hearty sentence or at least an admiring glance walter winter was among the most genial young man he said what did i tell you didn't i tell you you ought to take this case mr winter with his chest thrust out plumed and strutted in justifiable pride of prophecy now i'll tell you another thing to-day's event will do more for you than it has for ormiston mark my words they were all of that opinion all the fine foretellers of the profit lorne should draw from his spirited and conspicuous success they stood about in knots discussing it to some extent it eclipsed the main interest and issue of the day at that moment driving out free and disconsolate between the snake fences of the south riding to maneda reservation the quick and friendly sense of opportunity was abroad on lorne murchison's behalf friends and neighbors and dr drummond and people who hardly knew the fellow exchanged wise words about what his chance would do for him what it would immediately do was present to nobody so clearly however as to mr henry cruikshank who decided that he would after all accept dr drummond's invitation to spend the night with him and find out the little he didn't know already about this young man that evening the murchison's doorbell rang twice the first time it was to admit the reverend hugh finlay who had come to return sordello which he had borrowed from edvina and to find out whether she thought with him about the interpretation of certain passages and if not there was always the possibility wherein their divergence lay the second time 
the door opened to dr drummond and mr cruikshank and the electric light had to be turned on in the drawing-room since the library was already occupied by mr finlay and edvina mr and mrs murchison never having got over their early habit of sitting in the dining-room after tea even then mrs murchison had to put away her work-basket and john murchison to knock the ashes out of his pipe looking at one another with surprised inquiry when eliza informed them of their visitors luckily mr lorne was also in and eliza was sent to tell him and mr lorne came down the stairs two at a time to join the party in the drawing-room which was presently supplied by eliza with a dignified service of cake and wine the hall divided that room from the library and both doors were shut we cannot hesitate about which to open we have only indeed to follow the recognized tradition of elgin which would never have entered the library no vivid conclusion should be drawn no serious situation may even be indicated it would simply have been considered in elgin stupid to go into the library it isn't a case for the high commissioner for canada mr cruikshank was saying it's a case for direct representation of the interests concerned and their view of the effect upon trade that's the only voice to speak with if you want to get anything done conviction carries conviction the high commissioner is a very useful fellow to live in london and look after the ornamental the sentimental and immigration nobody could do it better than selkirk and in england of course they like that kind of agency it's the good old dignified way but it won't do for everything you don't find our friend morgan operating through the american equivalent of a high commissioner no you don't said john murchison he goes over there as a principal and the british government if he wants to deal with it is only another principal that's the way our deputation will go we're practically all shippers though of course the matter of tenders will come later there is big business for them here national business and we propose to show it the subsidy we want will come back to the country four times over in two years freights from boston alone it's the patriotic imperial argument you'll have to press i doubt said john murchison they're not business people over there the men in office are not how should they be the system draws them from the wrong class they're gentlemen noblemen maybe first and they've no practical education there's only one way of getting it and that's to make your own living how many of them have ever made tuppence that's where the americans beat them so badly they've got the sixth sense the business sense no you'll not find them responding greatly to what there is in it for trade they'd like to well enough but they just won't see it and by george what a fine suspicion they'll have of ye as to freights from boston he continued as they all laughed i'm of opinion you'd better not mention them what steal the trade of a friendly power tut tut it was a long speech for john murchison but they were all excited to a pitch beyond the usual henry cruikshank had brought with him an event of extraordinary importance 
it seemed to sit there with him significant and propitious in the middle of the sofa they all looked at it in the pauses dr drummond lost in an armchair alternately contemplated it and remembered to assert himself part of it as head of a deputation from the united chambers of commerce of canada shortly to wait on the british government to press for the encouragement of improved communications within the empire cruikshank had been asked to select a secretary the appointment in view of the desirability for political reasons of giving the widest publicity to the hopes and motives of the deputation was an important one the action of the canadian government in extending conditional promises of support had to be justified to the canadian taxpayer and that shy and weary person whose shoulders uphold the greatness of britain had also to receive such conciliation and reassurance as it was possible to administer to him by way of nerving the administrative arm over there to an act of enterprise mr cruikshank had had two or three young fellows mostly newspaper men in his mind's eye but when lorne came into his literal range of vision the others had promptly been retired in our friend's favour young mr murchison he had concluded was the man they wanted and if his office could spare him it would probably do young mr murchison no harm in any sort of way to accompany the deputation to london and throw himself into the matter the deputation had at heart but it's the empire said lorne with a sort of shy fire when mr cruikshank enunciated this we need not perhaps dwell upon the significance of his agreement it was then not long since the maple leaf had been stained brighter than ever not without honour to maintain the word that fell from him the three older men looked at him kindly john murchison rubbing his chin as he considered the situation slightly shook his head one took it that in his view the empire was not so readily envisaged that has a strong bearing mr cruikshank assented it's the whole case it seems to me repeated young murchison it should help to knit us up said dr drummond i'll put my name down on the first passenger list if knox church will let me off see that you have special rates he added with a twinkle for ministers and missionaries and only ten days to get him ready in said mrs murchison it will take some seeing to i assure you and i don't know how it's to be done in the time for once lorne i'll have to order you ready-made shirts and you'll just have to put up with it nothing else could possibly get back from the wash i'll put up with it mother they went into other details of lorne's equipment while mrs murchison's eye still wandered over the necessities of his wardrobe they arranged the date on which he was to meet the members of the deputation in montreal and mr cruikshank promised to send him all available documents and such presentation of the project as had been made in the newspapers you shall be put in immediate possession of the bones of the thing he said but what really matters he added pleasantly i think you've got already 
it took of course some discussion and it was quite ten o'clock before everything was gone into and the prospect was clear to them all as they emerged into the hall together the door of the room opposite also opened and the reverend hugh finlay found himself added to their group they all made the best of the unexpected encounter it was rather an elaborate best very polite and entirely grave except in the instance of dr drummond who met his subaltern with a smile in which cordiality struggled in vain to overcome the delighted humour chapter eleven